0: The headline-grabbing case of the Auckland teenagers who bragged on social media about
1: having sex with underage girls raises questions about the kind of sex education young people are receiving. Many New Zealanders think there isn't enough discussion about issues of sex and reproductive health, while others think there is too much focus on these issues already. This Radio New Zealand Insight asks if there is a need for a review.
2: So I want you to give me some ideas about what that perfect package looks like.
1: Free of STDs. Free of... In a year nine class at Gisborne Boys High School, students identified a number of things they'd like in their ideal partner. Blonde hair was among a number of physical attributes, along with a sense of humour and faithfulness. The class talked about making good decisions about sexually transmitted infections and about deciding not to have sex.
2: What we know in New Zealand is that around 22% it's moved up a bit, but 20% of young people under the age of 15 are (coughs) sexually active. They are kind of checking into this whole world of whether they've become so curious or they were so drunk, etc, that they have become sexually involved. And in Gisborne we have some of the highest rates
1: Their teacher, Meredith Akuhata-Brown, says at this age many young people have no idea about what's happening to their bodies.
2: Where will they get that knowledge from if parents aren't doing that speak? Now, I grew up in a stage where birds and bees talks were giggled and laughed about, but my mum and dad didn't really inform me hugely, um, and so friends were a big part of that. And we know that today young people find out most of the information via the internet, so who's really teaching our young people about this really important subject? So who is teaching
1: young people? Parents, teachers, medical professionals, their friends, or the internet? I'm Megan Whelan and this Insight looks at reproductive health from education to contraception to abortion and asks whether we need to talk more or less about sex. Oh, yeah. you just learn. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. No, not
4: through,
5: it. just through, like
1: Freeze. TV and all
5: that other yeah. Through friends and yeah.
1: These year 13 students at Gisborne Boys High School say they were given the lowdown in health class on sexually transmitted infections but not in much detail. But some educators say it's more than STIs and the physical functioning of their body that young people need to know. The Director of Health Promotion at Family Planning, Frances Burt, says they need to be able to talk about sex and sexuality. She says they need to know that sexuality is emotional, mental, physical and spiritual and what giving and receiving consent really means. And Francis Bird says the case of the young men in West Auckland who bragged online about having sex with young
5: and sometimes underage women shows that's not being taught. I think you know the media has a lot to answer for in terms of the images that young people are seeing but actually we need to help young people unpack those images and if we're not talking about it in our schools and our homes then we're not giving young people the skills, the ability to actually make sense of what's real and what's not. We're seeing through some of our work that young people are exposed to pornography they're getting ideas and they're teasing out what's normal and what's okay and how much are things happening how how sort of common are they what sort of norms are there out there and I think that these young men are sort of demonstrating some of that you know living out their fantasies but in a totally dominating demeaning way
1: Francis Bird says some schools are doing a great job but some are doing it badly. While the Year 13 Gisborne boy says they did learn about consent, they're a bit fuzzy on what that actually means.
6: They talked
4: about like consent, yeah, like how it can damage people. So like you actually, yeah, you do get taught that.
7: Well, if you're a good mould person, you'd do that. Yeah, even more. a human, you'd probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> but- for some people maybe you'd have to become aware of it. So. Yeah. In yeah. history, didn't Alice say that drunk girls should sign like a permission, like a consent form? Like, <laughs> <laughs> didn't, wasn't that said? like... Yeah, that was said. So that, we should just, that's just, should come up.
0: But I guess you still do dumb shit when
5: you're drunk.
1: Teacher Meredith Akuhata-Brown says she sees young men who are completely oblivious to what's happening to them as they grow up. She says other teachers need to learn that while teaching condom use is great, there's also a need to help young men learn about themselves.
2: Confident in who they are, and that's what New Zealand needs to teach in its curriculum around health, is being confident and and really, really happy with who am I, what I bring, my gifts, my skills, and that sex and taking on that kind of um, choice to have sex. Uh, there shouldn't be extra pressure because I'm confident that I'll know when I'm ready. And so we, we, we do need to move our curriculum on. I think it's an aged kind of set up. It's just such a hopeful kind of maybe we got them at the right age. We actually need to be a lot more creative. We need to be a lot more um, consistent with our messages. And we certainly need to use the media that youth... Are used mostly in today's world.
1: Meredith Akuhata Brown thinks primary and intermediate schools need to step up their game. But last month, controversy emerged when Family Planning launched a program aimed at students in years one to four. The organisation says the programme focuses on communication skills and confidence. But the Catholic organisation, Family Life International, which describes itself as pro life and pro family, criticised the scheme, saying the purpose of the education resource was. Was to desensitise children from a very young age. The Communication Director of Family Life International, Michelle Kaufman, believes there's far too much talk about sex. She says most discussion about the topic is not in the right context and that any communication needs to treat sex as something special and important and not just in a way that she says treats it as a recreational activity. Michelle Kaufman says no one is teaching respect and education about sex should be done by parents.
3: I think a lot of their power has been taken away from them in the last few decades and I think the time has come that parents really need to grasp that responsibility again, really teach their children what is right and wrong, teach them to respect, teach them to have self-control, teach them that, you know, motherhood and fatherhood are good things. Teach them that honesty is a good thing, that responsibility is a good thing.
1: Michelle Kaufman says schools need to be teaching that the best way to avoid risk is not to have sex until individuals are in a committed relationship, which she believes means marriage. She says organisations like Family Planning assume that young people will have sex and that in turn puts pressure on teenagers to do exactly that. And the Gisborne students agree that there is some pressure. Not so
4: much when you're like 15, 16, but by the, like when you get around 18, that's kind of yeah. when I think the
7: pressure comes on yeah. like for most yeah, I that, agree it just, with that. It's oh, like, yeah. get a wriggle on, eh?
1: The lobby group Family First, which describes itself as a Christian values based organisation supporting marriage and family, often speaks up about these issues, but its head, Bob McCroskey, was unavailable to be interviewed on the topic. Educators say pressure to be sexually active not only comes from peers but also what young people see in the media, in popular culture and on the internet. Rachel Wong, a lawyer and commentator who wrote a newspaper opinion piece calling for a change in the culture she believes produced the Roastbusters, laying the blame largely on pornography. Ms Wong says young people need to know about respecting each other, themselves, and valuing what sex is in terms of both the physical and emotional aspects of it. If schools are going to be teaching sexual education,
4: then I think parents definitely need to have some sort of input into that. Um, I think ideally... These are conversations that would take place only or at least first and foremost with parents. But if, if it's going to be in schools, then it needs to be something that, you know, parents are a part of.
1: Rachel Wong says the recent Auckland teenage sex scandal shows that all people need to be taught what consent means, and men in particular need to be taught to respect and value women. Others question where the appropriate information should be coming from. An Anglican minister in Gisborne, the Reverend Chris douglas Hoodieway, queries what options are available if mainstream culture is falling down.
7: So unless you're a young man who's turned on by what mainstream society and pop culture says you should be turned on by, um, that sort of can create a bit of um, angst in young people. And if they're not receiving that from their own culture or their own church or their own whānau or whatever, then that leaves a vacuum that's too often filled by negativity and doubt and depression and all those bad things.
1: He says young people probably don't want to look to popular culture for cues on how to behave.
7: I'm 26. I was in school less than 10 years ago, and I still remember sex ed. And that was what it was eh? like a banana and a condom, and that's it. As if. Being a sexual being is all boiled down to that one thing. When it's a lot more than, you know, you're talking about gender, identity, sexuality, being human, all of those things that come into play. It's a lot more than just sticking a piece of rubber on the end yeah. of a fruit.
1: Family Planning's Chief Executive Jackie Edmonds says given the events of the past few weeks, it's clear that young people aren't being prepared by the education they're getting. She says New Zealand schools continue to have an inconsistent approach to sex education we're a mix aren't we
0: because we sort of can talk about it and it was it's been interesting to see the outrage rightly so of the last few days Um, but I think we just get a bit bogged down and you know thinking of some of the details we don't like to think of our children doing these things Um, and I I mean I get that but they are going to do them at some point and the aim will be to for them to be able to do you know have sex in a Safe and in a pleasurable way that is good for them, and um, you know that
1: they are keeping themselves safe. So it's a weird thing, there's no doubt about that. Jackie Edmund says it's really important for young people to be able to talk about sex and what they're happy with, especially when it comes to condom use. Reports by the Crown Institute Environmental Science and Research show chlamydia is the most common sexually transmitted infection in this country, with an estimated rate of 744 cases per 100,000 people. 70% of those cases are in people aged between 15 and 24. Gonorrhea is less common, but the previously stable estimated rate increased by a third last year, probably due to the introduction of new testing. The report says the Tairawhiti District Health Board, which covers the Gisborne and East Coast area, reported the highest gonorrhea rate, more than four times the estimated national rate. Helen Russell works at a sexual health clinic in Gisborne, an area which also has one of the country's highest rates of chlamydia. Dr Russell says the rates are probably due to the small size of the community and people swapping partners when they're young.
0: I think New Zealand men is, in general don't use condoms That's the problem and that's across the board. We've also got the highest rates of gonorrhea, of course gonorrhea and chlamydia you know, pass the same way and goes along with unplanned pregnancies as well among our young people. We're definitely doing education, but I think in the moment when people are out, alcohol is a really big thing. Uh, A lot of our young people these days seem to drink a lot, and quite often,
1: and that just leads them to do things they wouldn't otherwise do, and take risks they wouldn't otherwise take. She says she believes modern culture is all about having sex and that alcohol clouds the issues young people are facing. And trying to be a
0: lone voice... (laughs) in a clinic room or in a school and say this is what you should do is, uh, you know, not always effective in the moment. So it's trying to get a culture
1: change like it is with smoking, like it is with drink driving. Family Planning's Frances Bird says the Roastbusters case shows the influence of that media, especially pornography.
5: She says education needs to be focused on the right things. Research with sort of 16 to 19-year-old young people indicates that they feel they get enough information about the the sort of technical aspects around sex or sexuality. I think that we can provide information, but actually young people will always need to, to review it when they're ready for it. And so what they really need are the skills and the the self-efficacy, the ability to access the services and to use contraception. And as educators, I think that's what we can really assist them with, developing the confidence and the skills, know where to go to get stuff, be able to use it, be able to negotiate the use of particularly condoms in terms of STI prevention, but also pregnancy prevention.
1: The manager of the Sexual Health Clinic in Gisborne, Chris Hanna, says for that region especially, gonorrhea is what she calls a brown bottle disease. She says people get drunk and share partners, and safe sex goes out the window. Chris Hanna says people just don't want to talk about it. She's even had fights over what to call the clinic, whether it should be sexual health or personal health. The girl having
0: the child, having the abortion, having the STD screen, they're all the same person. There's sex everywhere. You know, you go down and you look at the billboards, it's, it's sex, sex, sex. Sex is no longer regarded as taboo or
1: dangerous. You know, It's like having a cup of coffee. Chris Hanna says she thinks sex has become casual. She says it's outrageous that there's not more free or cheap contraception. By international standards, New Zealand has a high rate of teenage pregnancy. Various reports by organisations such as UNICEF and the Families Commission over the past 10 years show New Zealand in the top three countries in the developed world for rates of teenage pregnancy.
3: Family planning, you're speaking the same
1: Pharmac currently funds some version of the contraceptive pill, the copper IUD, and some condoms. Since 2010, it has also funded the long-acting contraceptive implant, Jadal. Family Planning's Jackie Edmond says New Zealand women are fortunate to have access to that option, but she says the organisation would like to see other versions of long-acting reversible contraception offered. We've seen how many young women have picked up Jadal, They've, they want new forms of contraception,
0: they are interested in in long acting reversible contraception, and things have changed even since you know when I was your age, it's okay you know there's actually a lot of interest in young women not to have periods um, that you know that's a real bonus from some of these contraceptives. so you know it's actually in, you know so young women are you know coming to flocking to them in their droves and they are very effective. they are the most effective form of contraception other than abstinence.
1: Jackie Edmonds says reducing New Zealand's high teenage pregnancy rate requires a combination of things, such as comprehensive sexuality education, parental involvement, access to services, reducing barriers to contraception, including cost, and a range of choice of contraception. Farmac says the advice it received was that it was preferable to have one long-acting removable contraceptive funded, and Jadel offered the best option of value and efficacy. It's currently considering running a further competitive process in the area. Rachel Wong says there's an emphasis put on contraception to protect people from pregnancy and STIs and she argues much of the information being given is deceitful.
4: I think that the research shows that um, contraception, whether it be the emergency contraceptive pill or otherwise, doesn't reduce pregnancy rates um, and abortion rates and things like that. When we are teaching our young people that this is what it does, that they start relying on these things you know, and it's it's sort of it's deceiving it's deceiving for them because they think, you know, if I use contraception I'm gonna be protected from getting pregnant, I'm gonna be protected from, you know, contracting a sexually transmitted infection. And then they sort of start to go out and and be more sexually active than Perhaps they otherwise would have been had they really known there are risks. so I think it's not really an issue of whether we're providing enough contraception, but whether we're teaching y- young people what you know the risks are with using the
1: contraception. Family Life International's Michelle Kaufman says the current focus on contraception isn't keeping young people safe.
3: I don't believe that contraception's the answer because right now young people are getting Jadal in their arms all the time, they're having, you know, they get free condoms at family planning or or cheap condoms anyway on, you know, the prescriptions. And yet half of all abortions are from failed contraceptive. So contraception actually doesn't work all the time. It's not pulling down the STI rate. It's not bringing down the abortion rate.
6: Abortion
1: Abortion protesters in 1973. The law, as it is now, was enacted in 1977. But since then, abortion has not had the same high profile. Young Labour, the youth wing of the Labour Party, has revived the issue in recent weeks by asking the party to adopt the decriminalisation of abortion as party policy. The remit was amended to look at a review of the law through a law commission review. Young Labour's president, Jessie Lipscomb, says much of the talk about the law has been explaining what it actually is. She says Young Labour is always going to push the envelope.
4: We're really happy to have the debate on the floor. This has been a big push that we've been working on. Um, over the years, and it's been our number one priority since April this year. We're really excited that it got to the floor. We've got access to abortion and a woman's right to choose in our policy platform yesterday, which is our binding high-level document, which is really exciting. And... We, we, we accept the fact that you know we're a democratic party and, and things can be amended at our conference and it's all part of everyone coming together. The great thing though that once it was amended it passed unanimously and that, that we're all behind looking at these laws and everyone's behind the fact that the laws at the moment aren't so adequate.. That'd be
5: great. Thank okay. you.
1: Earlier this year, an author, Alison McCulloch, published a history of abortion law reform in New Zealand. Since then, she's been travelling the country on what she calls the pro-choice highway. During a campaign stop-off in Wellington, she explained her motives.
5: Part of it was, you know, after writing the book and especially... um, looking at what the activists did in the 70s and, and sort of opining myself about you know, the rights and the wrongs and the successes and the failures, it's sort of, well, put your money where your mouth is and actually do some of it yourself. Because I kind of concluded in the book that if we do nothing, you know, that we
8: do risk losing what access we have.
1: Abortion law is set in the Crimes Act, meaning it's illegal, unless two doctors agree that continuing a pregnancy would harm the physical or mental health of the mother. The two doctors must be certifying consultants. In the year to the end of June 2012, there were 170 consultants who were paid almost $4.5 million in fees. The Abortion Supervisory Committee reported last year that in 2011, 97.6% of the abortions performed in New Zealand were done under the mental health grounds. But Family Life International's Michelle Kaufman argues that means New Zealand basically has abortion on demand, and she believes there shouldn't be a need at all. She says a really pro-women culture offers support such as that offered through Family Life International's crisis pregnancy centres. We
3: help women through that great hour of need that they have when they find that they're facing an unplanned pregnancy. And, you know, some of those women go on to parent their baby and some of them have gone on to adopt their baby out. But every single one of them has felt love, compassion and support. And, you know, we're there for them even years later when they need help.
1: But the director of abortion services in Tairafiti DHB, Dr. Simon Snook, who also practices in Wellington and Wairarapa, says prohibiting abortion isn't the answer. He accepts that it's an issue that few people agree on, but says that given abortion is one of the most commonly performed procedures in the country, it should be accessible.
7: One in three women will go through an abortion. Um, we're talking a sort of 18,000 a year. Um, If there was any other service that was used that frequently per DHB, they would absolutely have that service locally. And they're encouraged so to do, I mean, the the Ministry of Health encourages them very strongly every DHB to provide a local service. So the difficulty comes down to uh, finding the, the political will and the people to provide that service.
1: A Wellington doctor and former member of the Abortion Supervisory Committee, Rosie Fenwick, says setting up a clinic in Invercargill has made a huge difference.
6: Those women no longer have to get up at four o'clock in the morning or go the night before, catch the bus to Christchurch. Arrive in Christchurch before anything's opened, go to the Christchurch clinic, have their termination, and then catch the bus home, leaving their, you know, having to make arrangements for them looking after their children.
1: Dr. Fenwick says it's a procedure that women don't talk about openly. And she says it's important women are counselled to understand the consequences of their decision both before and after
6: the procedure personally, I think we should follow the Victorian law, which took it out of the Crimes Act and looked at a much more a less a less structured approach to achieving the same ends. And I think the ends the ends are what should be focused on here. Has the right decision been made? and I think that um, trained professionals can assist a woman in making that decision? Yes or no. I think is the woman medically healthy? and able to have the procedure, and once the procedure has happened, will she live with her decision and realise that the right decision has been made at that time on that day? Statistics New
1: Zealand says 14,745 abortions were performed in New Zealand in 2012, the lowest number since 1995, continuing a general downwards trend. Women aged 20 to 24 had the highest abortion rate, and 62% were a woman's first abortion. The president of the Abortion Law Reform Association of New Zealand, Morgan Healy, says there's no hard data yet, but the association believes that drop is due to the subsidising of long-term contraceptives, but groups opposing the procedure say it's due to a greater awareness of what they say are the risks of abortion. Dr Healy says access
8: is still an issue for many women, including on the West Coast. If you're a woman and you have a family and you don't necessarily want to tell your employer that you're travelling to Christchurch to have an abortion, um, or you work many, many hours in order to support those children and you can't take time off and trying to find childcare is an issue, you know, how do you, even though it might be paid for by your local DHB, it doesn't mean that it's any easier to actually take the time or having to come up with a lie um, to tell whomever you're closest to. So clearly a whole bunch of stuff around access, the stigma that goes along with that. So people, you know, because it's a crime, because it's not treated as a health issue, um, because we erect all of these barriers, um, there's a lot of shame and silence and stigma that goes along with that.
1: Family Planning's Jackie Edmund says the law is old, outdated and clunky, and politicians need to step up. I have a fundamental trust in New Zealand women to make a decision
0: that's right for them based on the information they're given in a conversation with their health practitioners. I do not believe it needs to be under the Crimes Act, or they have to have multiple conversations with multiple people or prove that they have a mental illness to be able to access abortion.
1: Dr Healy of the Law Reform Association says abortion can't be looked at in
8: isolation. This runs the gamut. It has to start with a comprehensive sexuality education in schools. It has to um, include access and affordability of a wide range of contraception um, and that abortion has to be treated as a health issue. So when all of those things don't work for the varying reasons, you know, life happens and... um, The choice should be there. Dr Healy says there's very little political
1: traction in the abortion debate and says she finds it difficult to see a middle ground. But some people are calling for a less heated debate on the issue. The Reverend Chris Douglas-Huriwai says he's both pro-life and pro-choice. Mr Douglas-Huriwai says he looks at it using Māori spirituality, separating out ire atua, the divine, and ire tangata, the human.
7: So I believe that at conception, that this uh, child is a part of Iraatsu, it's a part of the divine and it's manifesting itself and it's going to become a part of ira even though it doesn't become a part of ira it doesn't diminish what was or the potential of what can be. And, and I think that women who go through something like this should draw strength from that idea.
1: Commentator Rachel Wong says debate around the issue of abortion is still largely taboo, but more discussion would be useful to provide direction. She says education, sexual health and abortion need to be looked at together. I think that young people um, and their parents
4: definitely need to be having that conversation. But yeah, we as a society as well, I think, need to be looking at these issues um, and seeing how they how they impact us and sort of, I don't know, just getting to the the roots um, of the problem, which I think the busses issue really is sort of encouraging us to do.
1: The Abortion Supervisory Committee says in more than half of all abortions in 2011, no contraceptive use was recorded, and in more than two-thirds of those cases, the woman was under 30. Both sides of the debate appear to agree that figures like these suggest that change of some sort is needed. I'm Megan Whelan, and that's Insight. If you would like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight. Radio New Zealand's thewireless.co.nz will have more on these issues in the coming week.